Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. I'm Becky Parker-Geist and I'm your host. Audiobook Connection is your place to learn about the audiobook creative process and for authors to learn valuable tips on producing and marketing your audiobooks. This podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Hello, and thanks for joining me. Today we're going to talk about pronunciations how to determine what are the correct pronunciations for any particular audiobook project, as well as where to find that information. Let's jump in. So when we're getting started on a project, I'm going to speak, first of all, from both the author perspective as well as the narrator perspective in this episode. And so let's start off with from the author's perspective. It might be obvious why it would matter to you if the pronunciations in your book, of the words in your book, are accurate, or maybe not. And there's going to be some variation of importance or levels of importance depending on whether the words are real words, made-up words, real names, made-up names, or just preferences. So let's get into the weeds a little bit with that first set of categories. Obviously, I think, when a word is a real word, in other words, it's a word that we could probably find in the dictionary that other people are using out there in the world, then it will provide more clarity and certainly make you as an author or you as narrator sound much more professional if you pronounce those words correctly. And there can be some tricky stumbling blocks in here that might surprise you. So what I have found over the years is that in spite of the context in which we grew up, in other words, we might have grown up where the household or the places in which we were spending most of our time, where there was either a lot of education, which would lean us a little bit more towards correct pronunciations, although not always, that there are some potential challenges depending on how we were or the environments in which we were raised and became familiar. And then there are also regionalisms that can affect a particular pronunciation of a word. And let me just stop there and give some examples. An example for that first topic or level in terms of the context in which we were raised and the way that people in our world pronounced things. One example is the word theater. There are many people who say theater. 
And that is actually not a technically correct pronunciation, but it is very frequently heard. And that, I think, is largely based on how people in our context, the social environment in which we swim, how do they pronounce it? Most especially as we were growing up and developing our lexicon. An example of a regionalism would be a word like route or root, R-O-U-T-E. So depending on where you grew up and also the context, but what region you grew up in, you might automatically say that as root or as route. Now, why would that matter? Let's go just a little further into the weeds and talk about that. First of all, if you're the author and you grew up in one particular region, some people move around a lot and may have been in many regions and that would affect their context, their pronunciations. If you have grown up in one region, you probably have your way of saying that word. Now, when you use it in your writing, you're naturally going to think it should be pronounced the way you hear it in your head and the way that you say it. That might be true, but it might not. And if your text, your story, let's assume that it's fiction, if it's a fictional story, you need to ask where that story takes place. If it's in a particular region, then that region should dictate the, the choice of that word. It doesn't have to. It's not critical in the narrative. But in the dialogue, it would make more of a difference. And people from that region may mentally stumble if they hear it pronounced the other way when they know that it's typically said the way that they say it in their region. If, however, it is a fictional place, that may not play a role. However, an example here would be Fight or Flight by Joe Durrett. Fight or Flight, a South Side story. It takes place in a fictional town, but in the New England region. And so it would make sense then to be pronouncing those regional pronunciations according to that region. If, however, the fiction is created with a narrative voice that is from some other place, then that might change that. It also might not matter if you're not talking about the dialogue aspect. So there are a lot of little subtle things that you can consider when determining which regional pronunciations matter to you. As a narrator, we also will each have our own sort of typical way of pronouncing that words like route or root, and we'll just automatically do that often without even thinking about checking with the author to find out if it matters to them. Now, let me say this about that checking in with the author. First of all, the process with pronunciations, all of that as much as possible should be handled in the pre-production phase of your project. This should not be an after-the-fact pronunciation request during client review of the recording that has already been made, because then 
You're creating a situation that is causing everyone to do a lot more work and also to likely negatively impact the overall quality of your audiobook. So it's really important to make sure that your pronunciations are figured out at the front end during pre-production. And this may involve more than one conversation with your narrator. You may want to employ tools to help you in this process. I do highly recommend Positron as a great tool for doing this kind of pre-production work. Since I have mentioned tools, I'm going to mention just a few more here that are good online resources, and you'll find that Positron also uses these tools to look up online pronunciations and to hear pronunciations. Some of these will give you pronunciations, for example, in Standard American English or British English or Australian English. These can also be factors, but some of these tools are Merriam-Webster, Forvo, that's F as in Frank, O-R-V-O. One Look is a website where it will actually give you links to a list of other sources, so that can sometimes be helpful. It can be really smart to double-check from multiple sources on a questionable word pronunciation. The reason is sometimes they will vary, and if you find a legitimate source that is saying it's pronounced one way, and maybe there's some difference of opinion between the author and the narrator as to how a word is pronounced, then this will give you some source material, some reference point. And I'll go into that that potential conflict a little bit more later on. And then another source is on YouTube. You can use Youglish. That's Y-O-U-G-L-I-S-H. This pulls different clips from like movies and stuff that where it will put the word pronounced in context. And Youglish is all about helping people learn how to pronounce a language more accurately. And one note on that word accurately, accuracy is an interesting thing when it comes to language and pronunciation, because especially now in this world where we are so global, where there is so much travel, where people move frequently from one part of the world to another, from one country to another, our language, the way that we pronounce things is affected by all of that. And so the idea that there is a, a single defined regional way of pronouncing things, and I'm going back to my example of route and root just as an example, that, that while there are words like that, there are also dialects that are very much diluted and modified. And so the assumption that any character or any narrator needs to have some kind of pure dialect, I question. And I just put it out there for you to ponder on your own. Let's take a short pause and we'll be back to get more in the weeds with words. Frustrated by the royalty rates for your audiobook? Annoyed that when the digital distributors say 70%, 
they actually mean 70% of 50% or 80% of 70%, neither of which is an actual 70%. Wishing there was a way to cut out or at least shrink the middleman, yet you want your audiobook listeners to have a smooth and positive experience and a direct download sale from your website won't deliver that. Pro Audio Voices hears you. Out of our commitment to our author clients, we've created Amplify, a program that provides an actual 65% royalties of the price you set, that gives you access to your customers' names and emails so you can reconnect with them and keeps you in the driver's seat. Check it out at ProAudioVoices.com in the marketing menu. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about more specific categories of words and also of genres and how these may impact the pronunciations that we choose. And then we'll also, I want to wrap up with what happens when there's a difference of opinion between author and narrator. Let's talk about characters. We're talking primarily now about fictional characters. In a fictional context, character names may look like any other. I always like to use the name A-N-D-R-E-A as a good example, because this particular name, though it is a real name and many people have it, it has many ways of being pronounced. You can pronounce it Andrea, Andrea, a lot of different ways to go with that name. As a narrator, it is likely that you may just overlook that and pronounce it the way that you maybe have friend a friend with that name and you just naturally pronounce it that way. It's always a good idea. If you can think of, and I'm speaking mostly to narrators right now, if you can think of a different way to pronounce the same name, like Stephen and Stefan or Stefan, then you probably should check with the author before you get started. If you have a name that is that seems really obvious, like Robert, then you're probably just going to go with that. If you're an author and you have used a really common name like that, but you want it pronounced like Robert, then you definitely need to let your narrator know that because there is a, a degree of assumption that is helpful in the process not to belabor the whole pre-production process. We want to be clear. So it's important for any authors to be clear if they are wanting a less common pronunciation of a name to make sure that they communicate that. And when you communicate it, it's best to do it with a recording because I have found that many times the way one person will try to phonetically write a word can be easily misinterpreted by the way another person reads that phonetic description. There are phonetic dictionaries, but not everyone uses the same one or reads them or even thinks that to go and try and find out how it would be written in that way. I do encourage using recording. And this, again, I want to give a shout out to Positron as a great system 
for being able to have these short recordings that you can provide so that your narrator knows exactly what you mean when you want that name said. Now, there are character names, and then there, of course, if there are fictional places, those also, a narrator is going to tend to make their best guess, and if it looks like it's pretty clear, they're typically going to go with that, unless you, as an author, make sure to clarify. If they're fictional, it may not matter. And this is, a again, I'm going to come back to this a little bit, but it's important if you haven't dealt with these potential conflicts in pre-production and run into them in during client review, then I generally recommend that you let it go and let it be the way the narrator pronounced it. And that's not just for the sake of the narrator, that's for the sake of the entire project and the quality of that project. So let's now talk a little bit about uh, fantasy words. So a lot of books, especially in the fantasy genre, are creating whole lexicons, whole glossaries of words that are true for that world. An example is The Mareva of Asterith by Roxanne Bland. Really fantastic book. And just as one example, she uses the word maroon, to indicate 10 days, which in that world is equivalent to one week. Another example of a fantasy creating a lot of words just for that world that they're creating is Legend of Horion and the Dicentium Blade by Shah Jalal. Here again, a lot of words were created as a part of creating that world. And then another genre where we will often have created words is science fiction. We might look at Unfettered Journey by Gary Benger. He uses a lot of words that are actually are real, even though they're more in the scientific community. But uh, he does also, in that context, create words like sin jug, which is a synthetic biology jug, which is biodegradable and used to hold liquids. So we have these kinds of words that are created for the world in which we've immersed ourselves. Again, as a narrator, especially if you're working in fantasy or science fiction, it's really important to check in with the author and find out how they would like those words to be pronounced. Because sometimes those words, even the created words, are based on some word in the English language that is going to give a flavor of what the word means, and it might not be obvious. So you always want to check. And then even in nonfiction, we'll sometimes see made-up words. These are more often words where they're like prefixes or suffixes that are put together to create an idea of something and yet it's not actually a word used in the English language, and so you wouldn't be able to find it in one of those sources, one of those dictionary sources or YouTube or something. An example of that might be something along the lines of Jero Entrepreneur, someone who is an entrepreneur working in the realm of working with older human beings. Another genre that will help to dictate whether 
a word or a name can be pronounced one way or another is memoir. And this is also true in other nonfiction. But I want to speak specifically to memoir because it has, although I, I guess both nonfiction where there are real people named and also in memoirs, we'll have similar issues. So I'll, I guess I'll cover both of those at the same time, but there are three main areas to talk about. Let's start off with names that the author knows the people and knows how to pronounce their names. These are the simplest ones to handle. They may be people that have some fame or renown, or they may be personal friends, the next-door neighbor in the memoir. And they may pronounce their name very differently from what you would typically expect. So if you just rely on research that is not going directly to the author for people like those next-door neighbor people, then you might end up getting it wrong. So it's really important for the narrator and the author to communicate, to get this information so that the pronunciation is accurate. The other categories fall under one, but then with categories. So this would be the names of people that the author does not personally know. And the two categories within that are people who are well-known and the other is for people that may not have anything on the internet that is related to them that will actually provide you with a pronunciation. These would be typically in a book because someone has maybe communicated with them by letter, but never actually heard them speak their own name or heard anyone speak their name who knows them. In other words, the author doesn't know how to pronounce those names, and yet we have to make some kind of best guess as to how to pronounce them. So with the first of those, people who have some renown, who may have, let's say, for example, a YouTube interview, and then you'll get to hear the interviewer say their name. Well, it is something you can rely on, I believe, that if someone is being interviewed, that they will have made sure that the host who is interviewing them will know the correct pronunciation of their name. They're not going to just have their name mispronounced and then let it go, right? That is a kind of resource if you can find that. And sometimes it will take a little wading through to be able to find that name. Some people are so well known that the pronunciation of their name is readily available when you go to research that. So let's wrap up with what do we know, what do we think we know, and what do we do when we find ourselves in conflict over a pronunciation? So I have found over the years narrating that when I have taken the time to consider the fact that even though I've always said a particular word a particular way, that there's a possibility I might be mispronouncing it and maybe have my entire life. That happens a lot. A lot of us will mispronounce a word for most of our lives. And many of many people just are who maybe hear it and hear it as a mispronunciation aren't going to stop the person and correct them because that will feel rude, right? This can happen a lot. 
So what I want to highlight in this piece is when we are 100% confident that we know how to pronounce a word, I'm going to suggest that if, let's say, an author is having that feeling and a narrator typically pronounces the word in a different way, that if both parties can keep an open mind as to what might be accurate and then do the research and try and find out. Many words have more than one way to officially pronounce them. And in that case, if you're in pre-production, then let the author decide, unless there's some valid reason to not do it that way, such as a regional dialect for dialogue specifically. If you are in the client review section at time of the production process and you find that you are in conflict about a word and then you find out that actually there's more than one way to pronounce that word, then I would strongly recommend that you let it stay the way the narrator read it. The reason for this is that every time you have to do a pickup, and add in, cut something in that you are recording later, you increase the chance of your audiobook having more of a choppy quality. It's really difficult to get it to sound exactly like you were narrating it the last time you were in that session. So that's why I recommend that. If, when it comes to names, if the author knows how to pronounce the name, then definitely you should share that. However, I have often heard authors say how to pronounce a name that they are, where they're just guessing. They think it would be pronounced this way. And so they say, well, it's pronounced this way. But actually, they don't know. And so I encourage authors to not do that If you don't know, that's perfectly fine. Just say, I'm not actually sure how to pronounce that. And then that research can happen to make sure it gets done correctly. Because I'll tell you one thing that can happen, even if the author and narrator agree on what they think it would be, it's entirely possible that your audio engineer in post-production will know that it's not right. They maybe know, maybe they know the person or maybe they have heard that name pronounced many times in media that they attend to. And that it's important when it's a real person to get it right if you can, because you can expect that at least some of your listeners will know. And the whole production is going to be more professional, as well as you're not going to lose that listener when they stumble over, oh, wait a minute, they just totally mispronounced that person's name. They must not know. See, now suddenly you've pulled them out of the experience, and we don't want that to happen. We have also had the experience of having a full book narrated where the book was written as standard American, but the narrator was actually from New Zealand and excellent at doing an American dialect. However, when the book was read, what we didn't realize, no one in the on the team realized, so that would be during the pre-production, the author, the narrator, when the word hover came up, which 
came up frequently in that book, that in New Zealand, they say it different, like hover. And we had a point at which we had to make a decision about, do we go back in and change all of those? This is science fiction, and but it would have involved a lot of additional work. And then, so we were really balancing, was it worth it overall to make that change? Or should we allow that to be a part of the world that was created? And I applaud the author for making the decision to leave it as it was so that we could keep as smooth and clean a a finished product as possible. Okay, so I'm going to call that a wrap for today. Thank you so much for being with me to go into the weeds with how to pronounce words. As always, if you have questions, if you have comments, if you would like to reach out to us, we'd love to hear from you. We're at ProAudioVoices.com. Thanks again. Thanks for joining us for Audiobook Connection, behind the scenes with the creative teams. Please take a moment to subscribe at AudiobookConnection.com. The podcast is sponsored by Pro Audio Voices, helping great stories come alive through audiobook production and marketing. Learn more at ProAudioVoices.com. Again, thanks for being with us, and please join us next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.